begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for freedom, God. We thank you for your presence here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We honor you this morning, God. Oh, we're so thankful that you've saved us, Lord. Oh, you've forgiven us of so much. Lord, you have set us free of so much, Lord. We don't want to hold anything against anyone else, Lord. We thank you that you've saved us, God. Thank you that we can forgive because we've been forgiven, Lord. We've experienced your power. We've experienced your love. Oh, it's only because of you, Lord. It's all because of you. It's all because of you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Well, that was good. It was most of the message I was going to preach, but that was really good. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Um, I love the uh, I love the line that uh, that Lisa said there uh, while she was sharing. She said, "You know, the chains are going to fall off anyway. Why not? Why not get free from them now or something like that?" I was like, "Hmm, that's good. That's a good word right there." <laughs> so uh, it's, you're going to be free anyway. Why not start today? Right? Let's not let's not wait until we get up there and we stand before Him and. Uh, he finishes off all the stuff that needs to be finished off, but let's uh, let's allow him to do that today. So thank you for being sensitive there. Uh, I want us to just really uh, kind of continue on where we briefly started last week. If you weren't here last week, uh, we kind of just closed. Last week we had so much going on, it was awesome. So many testimonies and just God getting out into the community and testimony from Poland and God doing stuff there and just a lot of fun. Uh, and we talked about uh, the Passover in Exodus 12 that, and we came to the communion table and, and uh, talked about expectancy, that they ate the Passover with expectancy and in other words they were ready to be delivered. And we talked a little bit about being delivered, that God only, not only wants to save us, he wants to deliver us, and it's the picture of the picture of bringing the people out of Egypt. That's that's a picture of deliverance. Uh, there's salvation on the Passover. They're saved from death. You know, the death angel because of the blood that's over the the doorposts. If you're not familiar, I'd encourage you, you can read Exodus 12 and beyond. It kind of tells the story. Um, you know, they put the blood on the doorposts, and the and the death angel passed over, and so they were saved. So that's a picture of salvation. In other words, we're forgiven, we're saved. The, the things, you know, we deserve death, but it's not held against us, so we're passed over because the blood of Jesus is marking our lives. And so we are passed over. But then it also says that they didn't stay in Egypt. They weren't just saved in Egypt. They were brought out of Egypt. They were, they were delivered. You know, they, they were taken to a different place. And in some ways, the journey that they took to the promised land was to get Egypt out of them. 
You know, they got out of Egypt, but they needed Egypt out of them. They needed the stuff that was ingrained in them, the way they looked at life, the way they viewed life, the things that were oppressing them, you know, the, the oppression of their slavery. They had to learn to live a new life. And so that was part of the deliverance and freedom so they could enter the promised land. And so we're going we're gonna to start with that kind of thought today and kind of continue on with the idea of deliverance, that God wants to deliver us from anything that holds us captive. And that's, a good, that's good news. That's good news. And He has made the way for every single thing not only to be forgiven, but every single chain for us to be freed from. But through Jesus, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that that has already been paid for. It has already been purchased. We have already, we have already received that freedom. It has been handed to us as a gift, and we have to unwrap the gift. We have to walk in that freedom. You know, the children of Israel, they had to actually walk out of Egypt. You know, they were free, but they had, to, they had to go. They had to go out from where they were to a new place. They had to follow Moses, who could be a picture of the Holy Spirit. He was leading the people of God. Who leads the people of God now? The Holy Spirit leads us. So where the Holy Spirit is leading you, He's leading you to freedom. Luke chapter 4, we'll start there. We're going to go to a few scriptures. Hope you don't mind. I know you don't mind. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So we're going to go to the New Testament. What does Jesus say about that? What does Jesus say about the, the, the truth of deliverance? Luke 4, 16, or no, excuse me, it's 18. Did I put, I put the wrong scripture in, huh? I wrote down 16 here, and it's 18 in the Bible. You're going to have to open your Bibles because it's not going to be up there, okay? I'm sorry. I apologize that you have to actually open your Bible. Uh, Luke 4 and 18, this is Jesus. He comes. It's very interesting that he's in Nazareth when he does this, and it says he stands up, and they hand him the scroll, which is how the Bible was back then. It was the scroll of Isaiah, and he opens up to the... 61st chapter where there wasn't a chapter then but that section and it says this it says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the lord's favor so that's part of the reason jesus came was to set people free. And so if there's something in my life that's holding me captive, in other words, it's too strong for me to get out of, I need Jesus to set me free. He's already purchased. He's already paid for it. He's already said, this is what I want to do. We go to 1 John 3 and 8. Do we have that one, Shane? I'm jumping to that one. 1 John 3 and 8 says this. It says... The reason, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, here's the reason Jesus came, was to destroy the devil's work. What is the devil's work? To humiliate, to shame, to keep us in bondage, to keep us unclean, to keep us in darkness, fearful, doubt, bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, addictions, depression, all those things are things that are works of the devil. And Jesus, this says the reason that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. And that's good news because that means he wants to do it in me. Matthew 12, when Jesus showed up, see, everything started changing in the spiritual realm. 
And since we're a Spirit-filled church, we believe and know and have experienced the spiritual realm, that the spiritual realm has authority over the physical realm. So whatever's going on in the spiritual will manifest in the physical, in the natural world. And, you know, if we go through life and we don't see that, sometimes we don't know what's going on. What's going on? Well, there's something going on in the spirit. Why do I suddenly, why am I suddenly thinking about this certain thing over and over again? Well, there's something going on in the spiritual realm that's trying to lead you into that. And so not only is the Holy Spirit at work, he's the greater spirit, but there's other spirits that are doing all kinds of work. And so we have to be aware of that. And so when Jesus shows up, it's very interesting. There's all kinds of demons all over the place, right? When Jesus shows up, the demons just start talking, right? I mean, don't you find that interesting? Were they there before? Yeah, they were. They were, th- they were there before. You know, it's like, I think we're going to look at Matthew 12 here. In his account, it says, there was a guy there in the synagogue who had the spirit of an unclean demon in it. And, you know, it's like suddenly when Jesus shows up, he starts talking. Why, why is that? Well, it's because when the king is present, those who are need to bow to the authority of the king, they start freaking out, okay? So the enemy has to bow to the authority of the king of kings. And God, Jesus, when he showed up on earth, what was he doing? He says, the kingdom of God is here. We've been talking a little bit about the kingdom. In other words, the presence of the king and the presence of the kingdom means there's going to be activity in the spiritual realm that's going to manifest and it's going to be taking authority over those things that are standing against the kingdom of God. So here's what happens when Jesus comes. This is just one account. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then they brought him a demonized man. Demon possessed is not the right word there. It's really demonized. He had a demon who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Who's the son of David? Yes, but the good answer, great church answer. <laughs> when in doubt, just answer Jesus. They do it upstairs too. The son of David is the Messiah, right? The, that, was the, that was the belief in the Jewish time there. It was that the, the son of David was the one that they were looking for. In other words, they were saying, is he the one? Could this be the guy? I mean, look, he's doing amazing stuff. But when the Pharisees heard this, he says, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And so they say, no, that's, that's the devil. You know, that's not God, that's the devil. Jesus, side note here, there's always going to be a voice in your head when God's doing something that's going to try to tell you, no, that's not God, that's the devil. That's why as believers, we have the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth, to give us discernment and wisdom to say, is that God or is that not? Because God's going to bring peace. The devil's going to bring anxiety and confusion. And anyway, just a side note, that's free. So verse 25, it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. In other words, if there's no unity... It's not going to happen. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, which is just the name of a a demon that they thought of that time, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who's not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. There's a couple things we can notice there from that passage. Number one, there, Satan does have a kingdom. There is a kingdom of darkness, right? Jesus says it. He says Satan's kingdom. In other words, there is, he is a, it, is a, it is an unauthorized, in terms of God's original creation, an unauthorized kingdom. Who authorized the kingdom of darkness to get its power on earth? Don't say Jesus. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. When, when did that happen? Well, with Adam and Eve in the garden. What did God say to Adam and Eve? This is huge because all this has to do with authority. Because when we're dealing with deliverance, it's an issue of authority. God said, Adam and Eve, you have dominion. You have authority over the whole earth. And then the enemy comes, the devil comes, dressed up as a snake, had a snake costume on, slithers up, and tries to get them to agree with him. In other words, there, there had to be... There, there's no authority without agreement. When you come into agreement with someone, that's how authority is established. Think about it. In the United States, we all agree that we're a part of this nation. We have agreed that, you know, there's a president, better or worse, Congress, better or worse, you know, that we have judges set up, that we have, we have an FBI, we have, we have, you know, police that, enforce the laws why why is that why does those things have authority because we're in agreement to say this is this is what's going on so authority is established through agreement and so when the enemy comes to adam and eve he wants them to come into agreement with him because they are the ones in authority and if the ones in authority on earth will agree with the devil then the devil then now has authority so that's what happened in the garden when adam and eve came into agreement with the devil and said, maybe God's wrong. I'm going to eat the fruit. And so they came into agreement with a lie. And so the enemy was then authorized to establish his kingdom on earth. He had no right to do anything before Adam and Eve did that. Because who did God put in charge? God had delegated his authority to Adam and Eve. That's why Jesus, when God came to earth, Jesus had to be a human because only a human being could take back authority of the earth rightfully. God just couldn't come and like say, get off devil. No, that's not because then God would be violating his own creation the way he made it. He would be in violation of an agreement and God can't do that. He can't, he can't be on two sides at once. He can't talk out of both sides of his mouth. So he came as a man. He was 100% God, 100% man. And so Jesus had the right. So when Jesus was facing the temptation of the devil in the desert, in Luke chapter, what, four, three or four, in Matthew chapter three and four, if you need to go read that, um, you know, the devil is trying to get Jesus to do what? To come into agreement with him. Hey, turn, you're hungry. It's been 40 days since you've ate. Turn these stones into bread. 
What's happening? In other words, if he comes into agreement with the devil and says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to satisfy myself apart from my father, all would have been lost. I mean, that was a huge deal right there. The temptation of Jesus was like the, you know, the cross is, was where the victory was won, but one of the epic battles of all the universe was when the devil and Jesus were in the wilderness for 40 days. Because everything hinged on that. If Jesus became just like Adam then all would be lost. But Jesus would refused. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. He didn't come close to that. He refused to come into agreement with the devil, even when the devil quoted the Bible. You know, the devil, the devil knows a little bit of the Bible. He's been around a long time. So he, he's had more time than me to read it, you know. So he can check it out and try to use it against us. And so... There was no agreement. And so then when Jesus, as the sinless one, died and went to hell for the human race to pay the price for sin, then he was able, what does it say? That he took back the keys to death and Hades. What do keys represent in Scripture? Keys represent authority. And what does Jesus say when he leaves the earth? All authority has been given to me. In other words, and that was not necessarily true before. It's because he took all authority by his victory on the cross. Gets you thinking a little bit. You're like going, oh, okay, I'm got, got me thinking a little bit here. <laughs> God's been speaking to me about authority for a while. So if this ends up being an authority message instead of deliverance. I guess that's why. So. So here's the deal. When Jesus shows up, when the Creator shows up, all the demons get nervous. Why? Because they know He's coming to take away their place. And so it's interesting. All the demons have been quiet. Whenever they sing the songs, they come to church and they're worshiping and they're reading the Scriptures and a rabbi gets up and teaches. Demons are quiet. Jesus shows up. They start going, Hey, hey, you're the Son of God. I mean, they're trying to do anything to distract everyone from... You know, hey, don't, you know, it's like they have no choice because the enemy has no choice but to submit to the power and authority of the king of kings. There's only one way, one way that the enemy can hold on to something, and that's when someone gives him authority. And God values us so much. I mean, he put, he, the free will is such a huge thing that he gave us. It's a powerful tool. I mean, and God wanted it that way because free love, being willing to love someone is, is the most powerful thing in the universe. So God wanted us to have the most power to love one another and have great relationships with him and with each other. And so he says, I have to give you free will. In other words, I can't make you a robot. I just can't program it all out for you to follow this. You have to actually choose because there's power in the choice. But if there's a, if there's a good choice, there has to be a bad choice or there's really no choice. If you don't have a good choice and a bad choice, it's not really a choice. Who put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Not the devil. It was God. Now, some people say, well, God should have just never done that. No, well, then we could have never really experienced love. Because love cannot, love has to have a choice. Love is, love is a decision. It's an act of, act of our wills. It's not just an emotion like the show on TV. I love you. You know, I love Taco Bell or I love whatever. You know, that's not love. <laughs> that's something else. That's addiction to fast food. Okay. Um, 
Oh my. My wife just said, oh my. So here, here's the thing with authority. When the king of kings shows up, what does he say? He's establishing his kingdom. And so when a, kingdom, when a king comes and establishes his kingdom, anyone who is in opposition to the kingdom has two choices. They either submit to the king or they're destroyed or they're kicked out of the kingdom. So what happens to all the demons, all the works of the enemy? It says Jesus came to what? Destroy the works of the devil. They weren't going to submit. He knows that they have made their choice once and for all. They are not going to change. He knows the beginning from the end. And so because he knows that, you know, there's, you know, there's no choice for them to submit. They've made their choice. And so if they're not going to submit, they must be removed so that they can't bring destruction anymore. You know, there's nothing more uh, like that will get your get you on edge than when you walk in your house and your back door's open. Anybody ever had that happen? You know, I remember those, I don't even remember what this was, it's been the last couple years or something, probably the last year. We, we, we get home and we get in the kids, probably two at that point, um, you know, get the kids in and you walk in and the back door is just wide open. What, what is your first thought when that happens? You're, oh man. You know, immediately it's like, you, you want to go, you know, well, let me go find the shotgun. Where is that? Uh, <laughs> some of you know, some of you just go like this. <laughs> All right, hold on. <laughs> okay. But for those of you like me, you know, you know, you don't necessarily have that choice, but you're, you're going to go check. You, you want to go check. What, what? Did we leave the door open? What happened? You know, and because when the, when the back door is open, you're thinking somebody might have got in. Something might have happened. Did they take something? Did, you know, was somebody in our house, which is kind of, you know, one of the most creepy things of all of a, of a break in is that somebody was, you know, violated your home. You know, it's not even so much. Hey, if you take my TV, whatever you take, whatever you can steal, whatever. But you violated my home. Now there's something that's that's even worse. And so when, you know, the back door was open, we walked in and apparently, you know, probably what happened was. You know, one of the kids came in from outside, didn't quite shut the door, and then it's, it's Midland, so you know it's windy. Whatever day it is, it's probably going to have some wind, and, you know, wind blows and the door's open, and it was no big deal. But that's how the enemy gets in, is through the back door of our lives. He doesn't come in through the front door. You know, when someone comes to my front door and looks really ugly, and they're really big and scary, um, if that's you, I'm sorry, but... Um, you know, if somebody comes to the door and is like pounding on the door, like, let me in. You know, I'm like, no, I don't think so, buddy. Let me give, make you a click sound and make it sound like I actually know how to use this thing. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not going to let somebody in. You know, you know, we don't say, oh, yeah, come on in. Hey, let me show you my children. You know, here, come, come hold my baby. You know, you just don't do that, you know. But, you know, if someone wants to sneak into some place, if they're halfway thoughtful thief, they're going to go in through the back, right? You don't go in through the front door because everybody in the neighborhood's looking at you. You know, people can see stuff. You, you find the, the most covered area. You come in through that secret compartment. You go through the doggy door or whatever it is, you know, if you can fit through that doggy door. <laughs> and so that's what the enemy does is in our lives, the only way he can gain access to us as children of God, as believers in Jesus, is if we allow him in through the back door. 
What are the back doors? Well, I'm glad you asked. We've already talked about one of them. Go to Mark 6. Now you're going to see why I said that they stole some of the message uh, before we got to it. Mark chapter 6. This is actually a different account of what happens in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus comes to Nazareth. It just doesn't mention the part about the Isaiah scroll and, and reading that. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him that, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? That's how he was known before. Obviously, it's, hey, there's the carpenter, Jesus the carpenter. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Yes, Jesus had sisters. And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Did you notice that there? The word could not. Are there things that God can't do? Yes. <laughs> don't, let, don't let be the only note you take from today, but there are things that God can't do. That's what it says right here. It says Jesus could not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Why did they have lack of faith? They took offense. They had an offense. What is an offense? An offense is an agreement with the enemy. Ultimately, when we take offense about something, we are coming to, into agreement with the enemy. What happens in, when we come into agreement with the enemy? He has authority in my life now. He has access. It's the devil's back door. It's, that's how he gets in lies, is there's an issue, and he says, hey, come into agreement with me. You want to see another one? Ephesians chapter 4 gives us this, this idea as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse, start in verse 25, it says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. What is a foothold? Well, that's a, that's a stronghold. It's, it's the back door, right? It's where he, you know, when, you're when you have a foothold, you, you stick your foot in there so the door can't be closed. And so you can get in when you need to. And what, what the enemy is looking for in my life is even though I'm a free son or daughter of God, he wants me to be enslaved. He's, but he's not going to come in through the front door and say, Hi, I'm the devil. I'm, I'm going to hold you captive. I'm going to take control of your life. I'm going to do some nasty stuff to you. You know, oh, come on in. Thanks for coming by, devil. You know, he's not going to do that. He's not going to come through the front door. It's not going to be hugely obvious when he begins to work. You know, whatever hugely obvious to you is, that, you know, he's not going to come with that thing. It's like, 
for me, you know, I mean, the devil's not going to tempt me and say, here, I want you to, you know, I want you to go rob a bank or something, you know. I mean, it's going to be like, what? You know, I mean, that thought, that temptation is not even a temptation. I mean, I don't even know, I don't know how I'd rob a bank. I mean, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, do people even still make that successfully? I don't know. But, you know, it, he's, he's not going to come to me and say something that's so ridiculous. That's like the devil coming to the front door. Hi, I'm the devil. No, he doesn't come like that. He comes in through the back door. He comes in and says, man, can you believe what they said? You're right. I, I can't. Let me think about that a little bit. <laughs> and you begin to think about it over and over again. And then it turns into, what does it turn into? An offense. It turns into something that, you know, where you're holding something against. What am I doing? I am then in agreement with the enemy that says, that person, you know, the devil hates everybody. He hates everybody equally. He hates all human beings. And so he wants you to hate them too. And so when you start with someone else and you're in agreement with the devil, you're saying, devil, you're right. What you think about people is, is, is more important than what God thinks about people. That's ultimately what offense is. An agreement with the devil. And Paul here, actually, he goes through a whole list of stuff. He goes through all this stuff and says, you know, there's unforgiveness, there's anger, there's stealing, there's, you know, all this different stuff. You know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's, there's nasty things coming out of our mouths. You know, all this stuff. I mean, malice, hatred. Uh, you know, all this stuff is, he's saying, look, this is the way the devil gets a foothold in our lives. What does it say in 1 John 3, 8? The devil's been sinning from the beginning. And then it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So how do we come into agreement with the devil? Is sin. And if I do something over and over and over again, then I become, I am releasing the authority that I have to him. That's why a Christian can be bound by something. It's not because God doesn't want to free them. It's not because God, we haven't prayed enough. You know, you can, you know, Jesus was in Nazareth. I mean, this is like the hugest example. You know, do you think Jesus was prayed up in Nazareth? Do you think he was, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, you can't just go to someone who's got a great connection with God and hope it's magically, something magic is going to happen when they pray for you because when Jesus prayed for these people, nothing happened. He couldn't do anything because those people had given the devil a foothold. They'd given him access to the back door. They'd come into agreement with the enemy and therefore he had authority in their lives and God would refuse, he refuses to violate our free will. He refuses to do that. Because he wants love. He believes in love. It's, it's not love to take away someone's freedom. And God says, I've given you freedom to choose. So how do we get out of that? How, how do you, I mean, if you're stuck in something, how do, how do you get out of that? Well, you need to come into agreement with God. In 1 John it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, and to purify us from all unrighteousness. To me, I see that as the deliverance portion. There's forgiveness, you know, just like, hey, you're clean now. But there's also a deliverance portion. In other words, 
to purify you from anything unrighteous, anything that doesn't belong there. What is confession? Confession is ultimately coming into agreement with God. It means to say the same thing. So when I am confessing stuff in my life that doesn't belong, and we know what those things are, we don't, I don't have to name them off, whatever there is that's going on, I am then saying I am no longer in agreement with the enemy. I am in confessing that this is not the way it's supposed to be, that this is sin, that this is wrong. And so now I am stepping into agreement with God. What happens? I'm releasing God's authority in my life. And so then, as I confess that, then I am released into freedom. Because then God's authority is working. Because every time you see Jesus, He's casting out demons. He's freeing people from sickness. He's, he's bringing freedom. Because that's what the kingdom of God is about. You know the scripture in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians? It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. It's where that, part of where that song came from. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Why? Because that's what He's about. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's what he brings. That's what the kingdom is about. But God, I mean, that's the thing. Think about this. We are royalty in the kingdom of God. If we're a child of God, we're royalty. And so God has given us great authority. And if I take that great authority and I come into agreement with the enemy, I am releasing some of the authority of the kingdom back to the, back to the enemy. And so that's why I need to come back into agreement with God. Confession is an important part of our lives because it brings us back into agreement and allows us to be free. Sometimes you just have to confess with God. Sometimes, just like the book of James says, confess to one another. You bring it to someone else and say, man, I, this is just wrong in my life. I need help with this. You're, what are you doing? You're confessing it to someone else. So then you can come into agreement. And what does Jesus say? Where two of three of you agree about anything on earth, it will be done for you. So you're bringing your brother or sister into agreement. There's power in that agreement. You're agreeing with God, who's the third, two or three, it will be done for you. I can see I'm making some of you think. Some of you are like, wow, okay. But here's, here's the deal that I felt like, the, and we talked about this, I think, on Wednesday night. I mean, he brought it up on the little video that we started uh, we can't make our freedom our God. In other words, some of us have been dealing with stuff for a long time. We just don't know how to get out. And again, there's, this is not an all-inclusive message on how to get free from every single thing. This is principles of truth of how God says this works. But, you know, we've been, some of us get stuck in something so long that we make getting out of that thing our God instead of God. In other words, that becomes more important to us than God. And sometimes we just need to be like Paul and Silas in the prison. Just like I mentioned last week, is we just begin to worship the Lord. We just begin to praise Him, and then the chains begin to fall off. In other words, we can't make the focus of getting free be the most important thing in my life. Because then, what am I doing? Freedom is, is now the ultimate God in my life rather than Him. If my eyes are on my chains then my eyes are not on the one who will break the chains. And so I need to keep my eyes on the one who's going to break the chains and come into agreement with him, do what I need to do to get right with him, confess and come into agreement with him to allow the back door to be closed. 
And so then once the back door is closed, then you're free. And God even puts a lock on it. Says, hey, we can put a lock on that. <laughs> and you can still unlock it again if you want. Because you're free. You're free. Give you enough to think about here? <laughs> Here's the encouraging thing. That's why forgiveness is one of the most important tools we have. Because I believe, and obviously God highlighted that today for many of us. But to me, probably the number one thing that gets believers is unforgiveness and bitterness. It's probably the number one thing. I mean, some, I mean we all deal with other issues in our lives. It could be you know, addictions of some form or you know, lust or... You know, especially for guys, maybe that's the deal. Again, but those, you know, those things, those things are there too. I'm not minimizing them. But in all those things, what's universal is that the enemy tries to say to get us to have an offense with God or with somebody else. Because if he can get us off track in that way, then he's got a foothold in the door. And the great news is God's already given us a tool. He says, look, you can forgive as I forgave you. You want to be better at forgiving? Then experience God's forgiveness in your life in a greater way. In other words, go ahead and trust Him. Go ahead and, go ahead and say, you know what, God? I'm going to live today like that never existed in my life. You know, because sometimes, don't, we, don't we just leave it with us sometimes? Where we, where we kind of have this, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but I know I did it, and I kinda, it's kind of like this thing dragging behind me. Like, in other words, I'm free, but I got a bunch of chains hanging off the back from, from my freedom. You know, that's not the way God sees us. That's not the way He sees it. God says, I don't, I don't remember that. He says, I'll remember your sins no more. That's, a, that's an amazing thing, that God can forget something. I don't know how He does that. But it sa- that's what the, the Scripture says, that God forgets it. God says, what? What are you talking about? You know, you bring something up that's already been taken care of. God, I know, but remember when I did this? And he says, what? Don't you remember when? He says, no. Man, if I would live like I'm really forgiven, that would make a, whole, that'd make a lot of difference in, in my life for sure. You know, that there wouldn't be that hesitation of, well... You know, I'm going to pray more confidently. I'm going to I'm going to seek God more fully. There's not going to be that, you know, wishy-washy part of ourselves. You know, it's like, well, am I all in or am I out? Or, you know, I'm I'm forgiven. I'm free. You know, I don't have to I don't have to allow that to hold me any longer. I think I've given you enough. Okay, given you enough. So I'm going to stop. Stand up. Let's close. Let's close in prayer. I found interesting the Holy Spirit highlighted stuff and then he, he wanted to bring more explanation. So we're just going to count this as God dealt with stuff and then he wants to give you tools so that you don't have to be bound by it again. And that's really what God wants us to do is that we're free so that we can retain our freedom and we can also help somebody else. That we can also recognize, don't we recognize chains in other people that we have walked out of 
And it's not a bad thing. It's not a judgment thing. It's like, oh, I can't believe they're in that. No, it's a compassion thing. Man, when you see somebody who's, who's bound by something that you were freed from, man, what is your heart's desire? You're like, I want you out of that. I, I don't want you. I know what that place is like. I know what it's like to be bound by that. When I, see, when I see guys that have been bound by lust and have been messed with pornography, I have compassion because I've been there, but I'm free. I've been freed from that. That's in my past. But when I see that, I go, man, I, don't, I want you out of there. And so let's, let's use our freedom as well to bring somebody else along into the freedom that's in Christ. And to say, you know what, I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going I'm to contend with you. I'm going to come into agreement with you that you will be free. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we are coming into agreement with what you say. Lord, we are thankful for the Word of God. We are coming into agreement with what you say about us, with what you say about other people, with what you say about these things. And we thank you, Lord, that we are closing doors. Lord, we thank you that that we don't have any more back doors. Lord, I pray for every single person here that the back door of offense, Lord, will not be open any longer. Lord, that we, we choose to close that door and we turn the lock and we're not going out the back anymore. We're doing things up front now. And we thank you for that, Lord, that when, when the enemy comes knocking on the back door, there's no place to put his foot because the door is locked. It's shut and he can't open the door on the outside. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that freedom. We thank you for revealing things to us, Holy Spirit. Where your spirit is, Lord, you are bringing things up in us to bring freedom. So whether that's depression, whether that's fear, whether that's doubt, whether that's any form of lust or sexual immorality, whether that's uh, uh, anger issues, whatever it may be, Lord, we thank you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so we come into agreement with you, God, and we say, this is wrong. You are right, God. And we are believing that we are coming in agreement that you say, I will forgive you, that your blood is enough, Jesus. Your sacrifice is enough for me, for my freedom. Lord, I'm going to believe that you paid for my freedom because you gave it all. Remind us, Lord, and Lord, let us be instruments of freedom, Lord, that we can we can have recognition of other people who are in the same chains that we used to be in, Lord, so that we can help them be free in you. Lord, give us that give us that discernment. Give us eyes to see. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we come alongside one another. We're not here to condemn one another. We're here to to encourage one another and say, no, you don't have to stay in that place. I got out of it. I got out. Jesus set me free. Whether that's alcohol, whether that's any addiction to drugs, Jesus has set people free. And so we're saying, you can get out of that. We thank you, Lord. It doesn't have the cycle, does not have to keep repeating itself in lives because you have broken the cycle. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that cycles are broken in lives this very day in Jesus' name. We come into agreement with you, God. We say, you are good. We come into agreement and say, you are holy. Lord, we come into agreement and say, Jesus, you are enough. And we thank you that your authority is at work within us. We thank you, Lord, that same authority, that same power as well. It says that raised Christ from the dead is active in us. Lord, let us use that authority to bring people freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Ashley needs to share an announcement. I forgot Amen. your announcement, Ronnie. Uh, we have a connection group meeting tonight. If you're interested in just being with the Fellowship of Believers, Ronnie and Carlene are opening their home tonight at 6 o'clock. You can see them for directions. It's open for anybody who wants to join them. They'll have some snacks and goodies and uh, some really good time together in fellowship. So if you want to be a part of that connection group, see them and stay around and help us for Family Promise. Amen. Be blessed.